Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. I swear that for most of us who were raised as girls and women in this society, people-pleasing is like the default way that we function probably because we watch so many women around us prioritize other people's needs over their own. And of course, we model that and it gets passed down. And there's ways small and big that people-pleasing shows up in our lives. One silly comical example is like if you're on a road trip and say you have to pee, do you check in with the person you're road tripping with? Like if I'm with my husband, he will immediately pull over. It's not even a big discussion. He's like, I got to pee. We're pulling over to relieve my bowel movements. Whereas if I had to go to the bathroom, I would be like, hey, babe, do you need to pee? Do you think we could pull over in like 30 minutes? I'll just hold it until then. I don't want to be this inconvenience, right? It's just so, it's laughable because it's everywhere. But hopefully through today's conversation, we can break through some of these people-pleasing thought patterns and reclaim our authenticity thanks to the help of Maria Victoria Albina. In case you're not familiar with Maria Victoria, my guest for today, she is a master certified somatic life coach, a UCSF trained family nurse practitioner, and breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping humans socialized as women realize that they are their own best healers by reconnecting with their bodies and minds so they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. This is actually part one of two of my conversation with Maria Victoria. Today, we're talking about people-pleasing, and next week, we're going to dive into perfectionism. And both episodes are equal parts entertaining and educational, thanks to Maria Victoria's joyful spirit. We just had so much fun recording this. Maria Victoria is the host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast, which I highly recommend. She holds a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health and a BA in Latin American Studies from Oberlin College. Maria Victoria has been working in health and wellness for over 20 years and lives on occupied Muncie Lenape territory in New York's Hudson Valley. She's also the creator of Anchored, a six-month coaching program and a loving, supportive community for women and AFAB non-binary folks. AFAB stands for Assigned Female at Birth, in case you don't know. Anchored is the coaching program to learn new ways to respond to stress and trauma, ditch codependent perfectionist and people-pleasing habits, and relate to your body, mind, and emotions in healthier ways. You can learn more about Maria Victoria's six-month coaching program by going to victoriaalbina.com anchored, also linked for you in the description. Enrollment is open for a limited time depending on when you're listening, but for now, please enjoy this part one of two conversation with Maria Victoria. So people-pleasing is something that I know nothing about, cannot relate to. I don't even know like what that is. Is that something people struggle with, like pleasing other people and like putting their needs above our own? Is that a thing? Um, I don't know. Do you think it's a thing? Because if you think it's a thing, then I think it's a thing. I mean, would it make you happy if I thought it was a thing? Because then I'm (laughs) totally available to like think it's a thing. Oh my God, I just, it just clicked what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Do you love me more now that I agree with you, Mary? Oh my gosh, so much. Actually, can (sighs) we, can we be friends? Would you be okay with that? Or is that just like asking too much? I mean, I don't mind, but it's like, do you want to be friends? Like, that's what I really want to know. Since you asked me, I want to know if you actually want that or if you actually, do you hate me? (laughs) And do I need to perform like tap dance for my lovability so that you think I'm good enough to be friends, even though you just asked me if we could be? Ooh, I will take a tap dance any day. I'll actually tap dance with you so you don't feel called out. Oh my God. Okay, wait, can I tell you just how wonderful you are? I'm actually going to fawn right now. You are the best person (laughs) I've ever known. Oh yeah, because we just met and that's like a totally normal thing to say to somebody. It's what? What's not normal? Oh no, do you hate me now? (laughs) (laughs) Maria Victoria, you are just so... Did you ever take theater? I mean, I kind of am improv. Listening to your podcast, I just have to know this for like selfish sake. Oh, okay. Do you like plan your podcast episodes or is that just like, do you talk so beautifully? Like it's prose. It's prose. (laughs) You're so sweet. I mean, I like make an outline and then just let my brain do what it does, you know? 
Well, your brain is naturally so poetic and I'm not saying that to please you (laughs) just because it's really real. Um, I'm really excited to dive into like this big theme that so many people, especially those socialized as women, feel all the time, not just feel, but do. So what is people pleasing? Okay. For those who I don't know are unicorns and cannot relate, but mainly I want to hear about like, what are some of the hidden expressions of people pleasing? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So that's so good. So I talk about people pleasing as part of the constellation of experiences that makes up emotional outsourcing. So it's a term I came up with because I feel like codependency doesn't do anybody any favors, that term. It's kind of meaningless at this point, but it also means someone who's not me. And even though I was doing all the people pleasing, all the perfectionism, all the codependency, I didn't like the term. I think of like this enabling wife of an alcoholic man who, you know, like like this character who's not me. And so I was not getting help from my codependent perfectionist or people-pleasing habits because I didn't fit the bill. So people-pleasing is part of emotional outsourcing. And it's when we chronically and habitually source our sense of worth, value, and safety in our nervous system from everyone and everything outside of ourselves instead of from within. So we were obviously doing a bit at the top of the show and it was really fun. You're fun to riff with, but um, that's the more overt people-pleasing, right? What becomes most important for us is to keep others happy with us instead of pleasing ourselves, doing what's what's right for us, what keeps us happy. And instead of even trying to find balance, it's really just about putting others ahead, 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 ahead of us. For the purpose of drawing distinctions, do you use emotional outsourcing and codependency interchangeably just to like not scare away people who are like, oh, I'm definitely not codependent? Totally. Okay. So in the definition, like codependency is that same, like sourcing your positive feelings, how you think you should be, do, act from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're doing in people pleasing too. So the root of it really is this fear that we're not worthy. We're not lovable. There's something inherently wrong with us. We need to be fixed. We're broken. So we need to look to others and their experience of us, their way they express their experience of us, whether they are pleased with us, whether they find us palatable, like what we're doing, who we are, all of that is part of the people-pleasing picture. Mm. Why do you think that those who were socialized as women growing up struggle with it, especially? Well, I think in the patriarchy, we are taught when you're assigned female at birth and socialized as a girl and then a woman, you're taught that your value depends on what everyone else thinks of you to start with, right? Like your weight, your looks, whether you're a good girl, whether you're quiet, keep those opinions to yourself or do all the good girl household things. Like I remember growing up after dinner, it would always be me, my mom and my sister doing the dishes, just like clockwork, right? Like everyone would finish eating. The girls would clear the table. Having cooked dinner, we would clear and do dishes and the dudes would go watch TV or do whatever they were doing. I don't know what they got to do, but it sure was not more labor. And so we had to continue to tap dance for our lovability and perform being lovable and keep them pleased with us because that's what it means to live in the patriarchy, right? Yeah. You said in your podcast, the pipeline is like good girl, good woman, good wife, good mother. Oh, yes. That's it. It's all that matters, right? And listen, there's nothing wrong with being a good partner, a good wife, a good mother, a good girl. Like those are all phenomenal things when they're part and parcel of the entirety of our experience of self and not when they are the only thing defining us. I love being a good partner. I love it. I make my partner's lunch every morning. It makes me so happy, but it's from it makes me so happy and not I don't trust that I'm worthy of love. And so I need (sighs) to put myself out, to go out of my way, to inconvenience myself and build resentment, by the way, by doing something I don't want to do so that someone else will have a feeling about me. Mm -hmm. And that's where we enter like a really gray area because we have also been conditioned to believe that other people being pleased with us is the source of happiness. So sometimes it feels like I'm genuinely happy when you're genuinely happy and like, that actually, but we don't really know what it would be like if we weren't like 
so deep in it, I suppose. So how do you differentiate? Yeah, so discernment. So coming back to our intuition and our discernment. So a lot of my work is based in somatics or body-based practices where the word soma means body in Greek. And it's all those modalities that return us back to an experience of ourself in our wholeness through the lens of our physical body when so many of us are just walking around living from the neck up. You don't know anything about that, do you? No, cannot No, relate. nothing, zero, never. <laughs> no, okay, cool, me neither. My, my entire Instagram account is not me seeking validation for the places my parents didn't give me. Yes. Right. No, totally. <laughs> Childhood wounding? No. Get Don't out of here. here. Come on, never matter. Right? <laughs> you totally beat me to new phone who this. Cool, 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 cool. Also, it just started raining so heavy here. Can you hear it? It sounds amazing. I hear a little bit of it. I feel like oh, I'm in the so room nice. with you. Oh, I love that. Oh, I can just picture my flowers are like so happy right now. Oh, I'm not trying to people please them. I promise. But did you, did, are you plant pleasing? <laughs> I am plant pleasing right now, actually. So, Well, which is a great segue to one of the sources of emotional regulation that you often talk about is being close to a, you can complete my sentence. <laughs> nature nature yes. plants animals Pachamama, right gaia whatever you want to call mother nature we are nature right and that's part of that shift that mind body dualistic split let's throw descartes all the way under the bus always happy to the lore has been that we are not nature oh we're humans and all that everything else is nature but we are the trees we are the stars and so when we can connect with nature, which like I lived in Brooklyn for a decade, right? Like it doesn't mean you have to go out into the countryside, though that's really lovely. Do it when you can. But looking out your window at a tree, having a plant in your home, this can be accessible at any socioeconomic level, any physical capacity level. You don't have to go for a hike. You can look out your window at a tree and begin to allow your nervous system to connect with the magnificent power that nature holds to help us regulate. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. And I think everyone feels it when they're in it. It's yeah. kind of hard to like make yourself go on your stupid mental health walk <laughs> when that's the last thing you want to do. But it has this like kind of element of like, there must be a poem about it, but like how nature never begs anything from anyone. It just yeah. kind of exists. And yeah. it's so different to how like just humans were raised, especially women. Like we yeah. were very much told that we can control things. We can control how other people feel about us, what other people think. And obviously that's where like a lot of anxiety comes from is like just trying to mitigate that worst case potential scenario. So it's quite fascinating. My little sister, I told you my little sister was yes. spending the week with me. And so cute. <laughs> she brought over all her wet clothes because of course she woke up late, didn't have enough time to dry them. I was like, we got to go take them out of the dryer, put them in a hamper. You'll dry them at my house. And as she's putting them in the dryer, I'm like helping her. I'm like, okay, you press this button and then make sure you set it on very dry or else your clothes won't dry all the way. Da, 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 da. And she like, okay, she's almost 15. She's coming into her own. I love it for her. It's hard for me to part with my baby. Oh, baby yeah. and my baby sister she goes Maya stop stop micromanaging me you're always micromanaging me and I'm like shit I do and you know my big sister kicks in and I'm like it's because you don't do it right <laughs> right oh my god I love that I am also the big sister and Leo so I very much feel you on the fact that we are always right it's true do you find it as exhausting as I do to be so correct all the time? <laughs> yes, yes. I find it especially exhausting when other people don't understand how right I am. What's wrong with them? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, especially as an elder sibling, like that's right? such a big thing. The really high expectations, Oof. the co-parenting. I say it as a joke and I love it. I love my sister. I love being there for her so closely. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And at times I have to like, work with a therapist to remind me of what my role is as a big sister. Yes. Because we were talking about nature and like how it doesn't really demand anything from nothing. Yeah, yeah. From anyone. And we're kind of trained to be in control of all the situations. Which like if you historically look at what it's like to be a woman on this planet since 
colonization, since the inquisitions, since the fall of the great matriarchies, like it's not been very safe. It's been a precarious positionality to be born a woman, unfortunately. So people pleasing does not truly serve us, but kind of does. And I really want to name that. So we get to learn to trust our intuition, our judgment, our discernment. So we can decide when it is smart to say, you know what, dude, you're so right. Thank you. I'll be right back. And then you leave the bar. And particularly for humans living in marginalized bodies, keeping people in authority pleased with them is a really smart move. Yeah. Like any person of color stopped by the cops. Yeah. Keep them pleased with you. That is a survival choice. So I just want to make sure we're not saying that it's never a smart choice because when Mm -hmm. your survival's on the line, go on now, right? Yeah. It reminds me of saying like, I have a boyfriend instead of I'm not interested. Right. Totally. Ugh. There's so much there. But also, yeah, to your point, be smart. You do what you got to do to keep yourself physically and emotionally and energetically safe. You know that I'm not a huge fan of most supplements because of their misleading labels, questionable ingredients, and false promises. But then there's Ritual, made for skeptical people like us that care about our health in a non-diet culture kind of way. I researched a ton of vitamins and thankfully landed on Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. Let me tell you, taking this vitamin is an experience. Firstly, it has a minty essence that makes taking your multis actually enjoyable. And the bottle is transparent, as are the capsules, which have nine key nutrients in two relatively small capsules per day. I was also impressed with their third-party certifications, rigorous testing, and even a peer-reviewed clinical study on the exact multivitamin I'm taking. So if you're a science geek like me, you can read that study on their website. And thanks to their commitment to traceable ingredients, you can trust what you're putting in your body. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com mary10 to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. When people-pleasing is problematic is when it's unintentional. I think that's what we're really getting to here. In emotional outsourcing, we're living in deep unintentionality. We're living from habit, from default, from survival skills, often from childhood, often intergenerational, ancestral lineages of survival skills. Even if you had a great childhood, so people hear survival skills and they're like, oh, my life wasn't threatened in childhood. Like, what do you, I had karate lessons and ballet and you know what I mean? And we all learned skills to help us get through, to help us feel attuned to, to help our nervous systems regulate and calm. And sometimes that was people pleasing and trying to keep our parents happy with us, our siblings happy with us, our teachers happy with us, on and on and on and on. And that good girl training extends far beyond like just our family of origin. It's often how we comport ourselves at school, at our first job, on and on throughout our lifetime. Mm -hmm. What are some of the just hidden ways that it shows up? Like aside from like saying yes when you mean no, I actually I think that's a big one with many examples. Definitely the saying, yes, not knowing what you want or need. Mm. And I see that play out so often. And sometimes it's like, it's like a trope on the internet, right? Of like, my girlfriend never knows where she wants to go for dinner. Yeah, because she hasn't had the agency or empowerment to feel that she gets to know where she wants to go for dinner. Yep. So that's a really big one. And that gets all tied up in the core wounding behind people pleasing, which is usually fear in disguise fear of being rejected, fear of abandonment, fear of not being significant in the eyes of the village and not having belonging. Because when we think back to the great savanna of evolution, what we can see is, and it's logical, the most liked little mammals are the ones you pick up and put on your hip and carry out of the village with you at a running pace when the marauders are coming, the lions are coming when there's danger. You save the animals you like best. And who doesn't want to be one of the saved animals? I mean, I do. Come on now. Right? We're little. We're souvenir-sized, you and I. (laughs) Right? Yeah. 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 Someone save me, please. But 
What we get to realize now is the ways that we can save ourselves. And the way to start is to see where we are not living in our authenticity. So you asked, what are the hidden ways this plays out? Not living in our authenticity. Wearing clothes that aren't really what I want to be wearing, but like maybe they're what I'm supposed to wear. Going to, gosh, the number of, I'm a nurse practitioner by training and I often, I have lots of physicians, NPs, PAs, like other clinicians, folks in healthcare in my programs. And the number of times I've heard a very successful dentist or veterinarian or physician say, man, I only got that training to try to win my father's love. We people please and people prove, which is like a a slight spin on people pleasing that I don't think gets talked about enough. Would you like me to go into it? Yes, please. Right on. So people pleasing is when we try to make them happy, doing what we think they want us to do, saying what we think they want us to say, kowtowing, sort of fawning, right? Like, oh, whatever you want kind of energy. I hear you use this term fawning quite a bit, and I had to look it up. I have a few like ESL listeners too. So for definition's sake, I would love to know that too. Oh, I love that. As an ESL kid myself, let's define terms. You know, it's so funny when you like say something every 12 seconds in your your own regular life and you forget that Yeah, everyone here doesn't have the backstory of my life. No, it's great. That, that's what we're here for, to get it. I know. I love it. It's so fun. So I was born on a rainy Friday. No, <laughs> just um, like today? <laughs> just like today. Oh, wow. Ooh. That actually is true. <laughs> so fawning. So here's the quick of it. Our nervous system is constantly scanning the horizon, scanning the environment for cues of safety or not safety. And it's binary, right? You're either safe or you're unsafe. The gray, the body's not so worried about. It wants to know, is that a lion or a tabby cat, a cobra, or just a stick in the grass, (laughs) right? And the the rest will figure out. You know what I'm saying? And so when the body says, snake, the body says murder bot, right? It's a rope. It's a, a lion. It's something terrible. It's something frightening. I need to be scared. It sends us into sympathetic activation in the nervous system, which is called fight or flight colloquially, and it's run by adrenaline. And so that's when we're worried, when we're rolling around in the past or future tripping, but we're not present in this moment. We're stuck in a worry story, an anxiety story, a stress story. It used to be reserved for snakes and marauders and lions. And now it's really much more about your mom texting, your boss asking to have a conversation, your post not getting likes. Those sorts of things now activate our nervous systems into fight or flight, which has some pretty dramatic effects on our health overall, but we'll put a pin in that. Think about it logically. When you're going into sympathetic, you're gunning the gas on the car of your body, right? So you're burning all this fuel eventually When you hit the gas and hit the gas, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. My to-do list is so long. I'm so busy. I don't have time to rest. I don't have time to relax. I'm burning the candle at both ends. The body runs out of fuel. There's just no gas in the tank. It's simple math. And so the body then can only respond to the world using what's called the dorsal vagal complex. So dorsal vagal is the freeze response, the disconnection response, the response the body has when it just frankly can't get it up to go into adrenaline. There's just none, there's none to be had. So the body collapses in its extreme form is being catatonic, looking dead and just being fully dissociated and checked out. Most of us aren't going to there. That's pretty friggin' extreme, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us are going into, wait, what? Sorry, where? Sorry, I just got stressed out. My nervous system couldn't respond. So I just checked out. What? Mm. Sorry. Oh my gosh. What? I just spent three hours with Netflix going and my laptop open while doom scrolling. And I just, what do you mean it's been three hours? Right? We're just checked out. Is depression kind of in that mix too? Yeah, that's where I was about to go. Mm. So all the revved up body experiences are sympathetic. Anxiety, worry, stress, overwhelm, high blood pressure, diarrhea, racing heart rate, buzzy, 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 espresso in the blood, in their veins. The opposite is dorsal, dorsal depression. Your body just wants to push your back against the door of the cave, dorsal door of the cave, and push the world away, push the world out and say, no, 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 this animal, this one's tapped. This one's not available. And yeah, that's a depressed state to be in because you can't receive love, you can't receive care, and you can't really give it either to yourself or to anyone else. It's a 
Both are challenging states to be in. Both are normal to go into for a little minute and come back to self, come back to presence, which is called ventral vagal, the safe and social part of the nervous system. It's totally normal to get a little sympathetic, Mm -hmm. right? I got a little sympathetic as I was opening this recording because I was excited. I was like, yay, I get to talk to her again. Phenomenal. And then after, I'll have a little natural come down, a little dorsal. I'll go sip a little cup of tea on the back porch and listen to the rain. And I'll have a little dorsal, right? Where I'm just a little shh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I can bring myself back to presence. So fawning, that was a quite, a, quite an Argentine way to get to your answer. We had to go all the way around the block for that one. Fawning is a combination state. So it's appeasing, it is people-pleasing, but driven from the nervous system. So it's both a learned state and it activates both the adrenaline system, fight or flight, and the dorsal system, the acetylcholine system, because we are shut off to self and we are anxiously seeking approval from the other. So it's both a shutdown and a revving up both at once. And that's what sounds like, hey, what, 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 like our bit at the beginning, right? Do you want to be my friend? I mean, if you want to, then I can do it. But like, I don't know. It's, it's really like, what would make you happy? Where do you want to go to dinner? Oh, I don't need to eat dinner. I'm fine. I mean, I am really, really hungry, but appeasing. I want to make you happy. Keeping you happy is the most important thing because it's now in my nervous system linked to safety, which is survival. And that is exhausting, not just emotionally, but actually physically. Mm-hmm. Taking diligent notes here. I love that. You're such a nerd, which is like my top biggest compliment. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You're so Um, welcome. I feel so blessed that I get to do this podcast. It's amazing. Who gets to do this? Have these conversations. It's incredible. We're so lucky. So lucky. So you said fawning is like people pleasing driven from the nervous system. Yeah. And it's a combination between your shut off from yourself, which is that dorsal response. Mm -hmm. And what was the second part? The way I interpret it was like anxiously attached to somebody else. Yeah, you're anxiously attached, you're revved up. There's a lot of anxious attachment at play in fawning because your body really is saying this person's approval of me is a life or death issue. Mm -hmm. I have somebody close to me who who does this often, it drives me insane. And I've told them like, can you please stop being codependent on me? Like it's, and I hate to be harsh about it, but like on the other end of it, I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from or why you're like this. So without knowing the situation or the person, but do you have any hypotheses of like why one could be like this besides like the big, like patriarchy, this is the way a lot of women were socialized or like, what are some dynamics that people might see in their relationships, family, friends with parents. Yeah, totally. I'm curious what it sounds like with this friend. Like what's like an example? Yeah. So an example is we're at the airport getting coffee. I get it's a lot going on. You're like traveling. You're trying to find your gate. You're trying to get a drink. You know, you're excited about the trip, all of that. And I'm like ordering coffee for myself, the other person that we're with who like just gave me their coffee order while they sat with the bags. and then. All of a sudden I pay and then we move on from the line and I I look over to my friend and I'm like, wait, why didn't you order anything? And they were like, there was just so much going on. Like, I, I thought you forgot. Like I couldn't, you didn't say anything, you know, just like absolutely no explanation. Just kind of like a combination of like, I froze. I didn't know if it would be okay to like interject my coffee order. And I also kind of depended on you to like ask me for it. And on the other end, and I think this is how a lot of women feel in heteronormative relationships too, because you're always like, you're that caretaker. Then you're labeled as like the micromanager because you're the one like almost extracting the information, the emotions, the difficult conversations from that other person. And the reason why I bring this up is because honestly, before speaking to you and listening to your podcast, the only thing that's helped me in the moment break any kind of people-pleasing habits is by almost reverse psychology, like hijacking my brain and being like, actually trying to people-please isn't really pleasing the people. (laughs) 100%. And that was the only way for me to like kind of have a sense of like, honesty is best, like speak your truth, like 
give the coffee order before you have to be asked for it. And I don't know why this situation happened months ago, like months ago. I don't know why I still think about it because I think it was just like a telltale example of my dynamic with this person. And I just Mm. don't know why they're like that. Yeah. I mean, and of course I'm, like you said, about to speculate, about to like make stuff up. I don't know this human. And I heard one example. So the first part, it sounds like they went totally into dorsal. Like, I wonder if they actually dissociated, which is when we literally leave ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we're not present in the moment right? Like the lights are on, but nobody's home, which is a defense mechanism that our mind and body does to try to keep us safe. So their body may be reacting like they're being attacked by a lion, but they're just standing in the coffee Starbucks line, line. (laughs) right? So that often can be a survival skill from childhood. So if they weren't, were negated in childhood, if their feelings didn't matter, were told their feelings didn't matter, if they were shut down, shot down, like made to feel less than for having opinions or interjecting, those sorts of things can really be in there. And then I'd wonder if there's like a power imbalance of their own creation or a real one, Mm -hmm. right? Like I wonder if they look to you Mm -hmm. some kind of way that makes them feel like, oh, I don't want to, oh, I don't want to put her out. Like I wonder if it's with you or if it's like, it's their jam, you know? So I'd be curious about that. Yeah. When I was doing that kind of stuff, I had no idea I was doing it because it was so normalized in my household for like my mom to be totally fine. I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. And you'd be like, you're obviously not like your face is red and you've been crying and like you're sitting at dinner, not touching your food and like staring at your hands, but you're fine. Like that was normal. So we have something called mirror neurons in our brain. And it's the monkey see, monkey do part of being a human. It's pretty cool. So our mirror neurons teach us to literally like an ape mirror what's in front of us. So, you know, when there's like a little baby and you go like and you flop your little hand at them, a little wave all funny and they like try to do the exact same thing you did. That's mirror neurons. It's teaching us to survive in our village. It's saying this is how your village does. So the way your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents did is what gets passed on. There's epigenetics and there's also how we were raised. So that person may not know that they're doing something super weird and uncomfortable for other people. Not weird in that like it's weird, but like it's experienced as weird by others. It's actually super duper common, right? And a natural normal response. But, But yeah, it feels really weird to be on the receiving end of like, you're an adult, yo. Can you just yeah like put in your coffee order? Like I I get that of like, (laughs) I can't be your mom. Yeah. So that then brings me to reenactment. So one of the things that we do as humans is our nervous systems are designed to reenact the past in the hopes of it turning out differently in the present. So when we have not done our inner work, when we have not worked on our emotional outsourcing, healing our inner children, working to heal our, the parts of us, to use the term from Dick Schwartz, when we have not done that work, we will project our childhood wounding onto our partner and the people closest to us in an attempt to have them heal it for us. It doesn't work, but man, do we give it the old college try? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I have totally projected both of my parents onto partners in the past, which has ended terribly. Right. So I would be really curious what parent stuff this person is projecting onto you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like if they got scolded for interrupting, if again, their opinion like never mattered, their needs, who cares? Or, you know, I dated someone whose parents were very, very exigent, like private schools, you had to get straight A's, had to go to an I, like all that kind of pressure, like very New York, very like Greenwich, Connecticut, pressure, 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 which led both kids to like totally freeze when the parents would be like, well, what do you want? Because always like we'd be at dinner, I'd be like, hey, hey, what do you want? What do you want for dinner? And there was this this anxious pressure that like you had to know immediately, you had to do it right. Nothing was within the time frame of their nervous system. It was always about people pleasing someone else who was demanding to be pleased in that moment. And so these are just some hypotheses of what could be going on for that person. Sometimes when we're doing or in different phases of our own healing work, it can be really challenging to see people who are in a different phase of it. 
or who are are really reacting from their wounding instead of from their healing. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because every every dynamic is unique and one thing that I like that you say is like the opposite of codependency is not being like 100% totally independent. No way. Yeah. Yeah, so and it reminds me of how like because every dynamic is so unique, like that same person has probably found themselves on the other end of like being in my position with maybe one of their other friends or maybe maybe their mom. Like maybe I'm the person that they feel like they could turn their brain off with or or who knows what. And every dynamic is just so unique, which is what's interesting when just as a collective, so many, I'm just going to speak for women as a collective, when so many women find ourselves like often on the other end of that people pleasing boat. And then we come together and it creates like, you know, our little skit at the beginning, which was totally unplanned, by the way, just in case anybody wants to nominate us for an Oscar. I'll take it. Can I get a Tony too? (laughs) Just while we're at it. Yes. I mean, if you don't mind. I guess it would technically be a Tony, right? I guess. But I mean, well, it's Oscars. Let's just EGOT. I think we should just EGOT. What is EGOT? Oh, it's when you get all the awards. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Emmy, Grammy, Tony, Oscar. Oh, no, I spelled that wrong, but you know what I mean. Oscar, yeah, Tony, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's what we deserve. Agreed. I mean, if you agree. <laughs> I need to take some improv classes. Right? But it's like that subtle, you know, I totally have an opinion if you agree with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's this thing that sort of can happen when we people please with some people, we people prove ourselves. So we were talking about people proving before and I, I didn't finish it defining it because we went somewhere fun. Yeah. People proving is when you try to prove your brilliance, prove your lovability, prove, <clears throat> prove, 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 prove yourself to others. Again, I was talking about like dentists, like people getting degrees, but it can also look like having to be the smarty pants brainiac in the room who always knows best. And I was definitely that girl. Like I was definitely the like, well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Raising your hand. That's me more than the people pleasing as the people proving for sure. Yeah. But then I would people please in relationship and with my family of origin. But people prove everywhere else because I didn't feel safe doing it in my attachments. Yeah. Like in my, my core attachment relationships. Isn't that interesting? For sure. It's almost like a common theme is people pleasing on the micro and then people proving on the macro, which is why it's so surprising because like, I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast admires me so much and thinks that like, oh, Mary probably doesn't care what anybody thinks of her because she's always like going for it and doing the things. And it's just so ironic how untrue that is, how somebody else is like, just perception is different. Totally. Yeah. It's just, it's just a funny pattern. Yeah. 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 So people proving, I guess we just kind of finished defining it and then fawning fawning is appeasing that like appeasing like oh you know what you're fine yeah right it's whatever you think it is which I used to do so I was in a marriage where there was sadly a lot of emotional abuse and a lot of gaslighting and so I would bring up something that didn't work for me and my then spouse would get pretty aggro about it they had a a bad temper and they would like turn it around and make it my fault like that's what the gaslighting looked like And my nervous system was just like so, it was just like in such a a hot mess and so dysregulated from everything that was going on there that I would quickly, 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 quickly go into fawn. And I would very quickly be like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. You always do all the dishes. That's fine. You know what? That's fine. It's okay. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like actually really sorry I brought it Mm. up. You're right. It's totally, you're right. Yeah. To like diffuse the situation. To attempt to diffuse, to make it go mm-hmm. away, to, yeah, mostly to make it go away and to, to restore some sort of safety within the attachment in the hopes that that would create safety overall. And then you start gaslighting yourself and. They start gaslighting yourself and you're building all this resentment and you're building dislike and distrust for the other person. Like it's, it's a very slippery slope. Yeah. So this brings us to disconnection with self and what some of the tools or perhaps the antidote to people pleasing, like, is it people displeasing? Is it self-pleasing? And how do we do that without burning bridges or hurting those we love and like in a way that still feels authentic? Because I think 
One thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people talk about all the things that, right, like women do. Like we've been socialized. So like if we do it like this and it's like not healthy. Okay, cool. And then a lot of people are like, then instead be like more like a man, like don't put smiley faces in your texts. And why don't you just say that you need to pee when you have to pee? Like, I want to do that. But then there are parts of the way that we have been socialized that I actually like, I fucking love women. Like we get together and we care about each other's feelings. Like what? Like we ask, like, are you ready to order before jumping into the order? It's just a beautiful, like, synergistic experience. So what would you say is like the, I don't know, healthy, I don't know if that's the right word, but what do you see as like the antidote to people pleasing or some things that might help? Yeah. I want to start by really just giving you like a big old high five for starting there with like, we don't need to make ourselves more like men. The patriarchy is the problem and becoming more like that system of oppression doesn't help anyone men, women, humans of any and all majillion genders, it helps no one to step out of our authenticity and to try to be more shut off. We need to open up more is what I would say, right? To step into our big open hearts more. So if the root cause of people-pleasing is seeking safety externally, then a key remedy is to create to reconnect with the safer environment that has always lived within you. Because as babies, we all know how to raise the alarm bells for our own safety and survival. Do we cry and scream? (laughs) We know how to do it. And again, like we've been talking about, we get socialized out of it. We learn our way out of it. So it really starts with building trust and safety within so that we don't have to look outside of ourselves to feel safe. And so the way I invite folks and teach folks to start doing that is to dedicate ourselves to doing one small thing every single day towards the goal of building self-trust. Not towards the goal of doing the task, but towards the goal of at the end of the day saying, oh snap, look at me. Like I said I was going to do the thing and I did the thing. Huh okay, I guess I can kind of maybe sort of a little tiny bit, trust me, maybe. Mm -hmm. What are some ideas for that? Drink a glass of water. Okay. But label it yourself trust water. Oh. You see, mama's never going to add things to your plate. Oh, hells no. Mm -hmm. Right? Take a thing you're going to do anyway and label it yourself trust action for that day. Every day this week, I will have one glass of water that will be my self-love water. Every day... I will take that stupid mental health walk for 10 minutes first thing in the morning to set my circadian rhythm, and I will call it my self-love walk. And again, it's not about taking the walk or drinking the one glass of water. It's about you showing you that you're trustworthy, you're dependable for you, not for anybody else, because nobody else benefits from you having a glass of water. I mean, we are interdependent as a species and a planet, so yes, everyone benefits, but you know what I mean, right? We're not doing it for anyone else. And so as we build self-trust, that builds that sense of internal safety. And this is where I bring somatic practice in, body-based practices, so we can really step into the felt experience of internal safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah? One of my favorite small little tools towards that goal is what Deb Dana, who's a goddess, she's, uh, she took polyvagal theory, which is this super heady, nerdtastic theory, and made it into English. She's a social worker. She's three cheers of social workers. She talks about something called glimmers, which are the opposite of triggers. Oh. Is that so great? Yeah. I love that yeah, term. I love it. It's so good. A glimmer. And so going on a daily glimmer hunt is one of those beautiful, when we're doing our daily self-trust building exercises, going on a glimmer hunt is an easy one, mm-hmm. right? So pausing every single day, and I like to set a phone alarm to remind me because, you know, we all get busy in capitalism to, to look for a glimmer. So just pausing and looking around your environment, letting your nervous system orient to the space you're in, and then finding one thing in the environment that brings you just a little glimmer of joy, a glimmer of peace, of ease, of calm. Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing in your environment, because like, I don't know, you're on the Q train and the Manhattan subway when your alarm goes off, go into your mind. 
you know, that sweet time baking cookies with your sister that you were telling me about, right? That's so sweet. Yeah. That sounds like a glimmer. I mean, your face lit up when you yeah. talked about it, right? Yeah. When you first saw your puppy, <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a <laughs> chihuahua, old stinky chihuahua at my feet. And I remember the first time I saw his snout, oh, like my whole body lights up with mm-hmm. this easeful, safe joy. So connecting in with your capacity to create safety within you reminds your nervous system that you can. Then from there, we need to remember, like we've been talking about, that fear of conflict, fear avoidance of anything that could lead to rupture with others creates rupture within our own honesty and integrity. Ouch. Can you say that again? Yeah. (laughs) When we're moving, living, relating from a fear of conflict and seeking to avoid rupture with others, that leads to a rupture in our own sense of self, our own identity, and our own integrity because we're not being honest. And I don't say that to blame or shame or guilt anyone. We're not being honest because at some point we learned that was safer than being honest. So like, again, compassion, love, care, always. And we need to get on to ourselves, like be on to you, like, like Sherlock Holmes, right? Like, okay, what is the not exactly truth mm-hmm. that you're telling, that you're living from? Do you know that you want burgers for dinner, but you're just going along with sushi? Or do you know you really want sushi and you're going along with pizza? Really starting to step into knowing what you want starts with asking yourself. And I think we just don't ask ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Can I add a a layer? Please add so many. (laughs) Like when all else fails, sometimes I make it into a bit and I will like, it'll just be like the stupidest thing. My husband will ask me something and I'll just be like, no. (laughs) And just like stand in that discomfort and pain and and just randomness. Right. Cause like, right. People are not used to hearing no as a complete sentence from women. And also people are not used to saying like what they actually mean right away and then pausing before explaining. Like we usually explain before we give the answer. (sighs) And justify. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I did it once just like my brain kind of just farted and I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? What did I just say? Did I offend them? Like, I don't know who I was talking to. But then it was so fucking funny that I... I just kept kind of doing it and it... That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a good practice. And I feel like that's one... So I talk about how baby steps are way too big and please do not try to take a baby step. We take kitten steps. So like baby kitten size pois size steps. (laughs) And so for me, that means starting where it's warm and where it's easy. Like, do you have a close best friend? Like your safest person in the world. Like I know that Marie and Alessandra like will never turn their backs on me ever. They are my like safety, those two. So could you turn to your girls? Or if you don't have those people, what about your dog? What about a plant? And like start practicing the way our neuroplasticity or our brain's capacity to shift and change and actually experience new thoughts as truth. It's all about repetition. So if you want to practice saying no, and like not die, don't, yeah, don't try it with like someone you're in a contentious relationship <laughs> with or like your mom, if that's not a safe place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I love this and I love starting with your stuffed animal and I'm being for real secure. Like, yeah, yeah. Practice, but practice because your body needs to like hear it and hear it and hear it. And, and your nervous system, your amygdala, your medial frontal cortex is your watcher. It's your conscious awareness. It's the part, it's like your third eye and it watches everything you do and either engages the amygdala, the fear center, or hits the amygdala break. And it's like, whoa, 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 she's safe. It's okay. So every time you're like, someone's like, oh, hey, do you want to go out for pizza? And you're like, no. And you don't die. The medial <laughs> frontal is like, yo, yo. <laughs> oh, oh, turns out. Studies show, because it's doing the studies, right? (laughs) Studies show she keeps not dying. Mm -hmm. So we should keep doing that. That's dope. It feels so fucking good too. Right? Yeah, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then I saw like just a little clip from an interview with, I don't know if it was Mary Kate or Ashley Olson, but they talk about like it's something their parents taught them that like no is 
is a complete sentence. Like it could just be no. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, and oh. No, so, and oh are complete sentences. Complete sentences. How would you use so and oh? Um, okay. So, <laughs> and that's that. That, like that. Yeah. <laughs> but then oh is like when I love to use that one when someone's trying to sort of bait me to get into blaming someone else, shaming someone else. Oh, like I, I went on a walk the other day with an acquaintance, we will call her. And she was like, oh my God, did you hear that like so-and-so broke up? And then like actually one of them cheated and like was trying to get me in on gossip. And I just said, oh. I love that. It was so good. She like didn't know like what cave to crawl into because I was clearly like, I'm really not available to gossip. Like I'm not available to talk trash about people. I'm like not in any way interested or available for that. But I didn't even need to say that, right? Yeah, yeah. This is so helpful for me in terms of people pleasing because it doesn't have to be that hard. I love your idea of kitten steps. Yeah. I love no, so, and oh. And I think these are, like you said, small baby steps to collect evidence for yeah. the fancy term that you used, part of the brain. <laughs> Medial, <laughs> medial frontal cortex. Yes. My favorite part of the brain. <clears throat> I'm going to obnoxiously cough because you make me laugh so much. Uh, oh, let it out. <laughs> let it out. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.